Marley was dead, to begin with. There is no doubt whatever about that. Scrooge was his sole executor, his sole residuary legatee, his sole friend, and sole mourner. It must be distinctly understood then from the outset that for the past seven years, old Marley had been as dead as a doornail. Hey everyone, it's Jonathan, and welcome back to our annual mini-series on Charles Dickens' A Christmas Carol. Today we're doing a straight adaptation, no twists on the story, just a straightforward, made-for-television version of Charles Dickens' classic. Joining me for this version is Mark Brown. We discovered this version while recording a different podcast. We noticed that the actor Michael Hordern had been in not one, not two, but three different adaptations of A Christmas Carol. The first was a version from 1951 that Rachel and I had talked about during the first year of my YouTube channel, starring Alistair Sim as Scrooge. Then the second one Eli and I had talked about a couple years later, an animated adaptation from 1971, using a lot of the same cast as the 51 version. Michael Hordern had played Marley in both of those. And then in 1977, he played Scrooge himself in a made-for-TV version by the BBC. Since we already had this one on the mind, I decided to complete the trilogy, so we decided to talk about this one today. This one, I don't think I had even heard of. Mm-hmm. Had you heard of it before we sort of discovered it while looking through IMDb for something else? Yeah, I, I had seen it back in the day when I, that random December years ago, and I like watched a bunch of Christmas Carol episodes on YouTube, show, uh, movies on YouTube. This was one that showed up and I had watched it then. So okay. I knew about it from then. I didn't remember much of it besides that Michael Hordern was um, Scrooge in this version. I haven't seen it since then. I mean, since seeing it again now for this podcast. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can see why you probably wouldn't have gone back to it. Like, it yeah. was not bad, but it was kind of forgettable. It was it incredibly was... your bare bones Christmas yeah. Carol story. There's nothing, like, I saw this movie, like, just, what, two days ago, and I'm kind of struggling to remember anything <laughs> that stood out. Not, not because it's bad, but, like, it's, yeah. it's, it, it just hits all the same points that and all the others have hit like i mean besides the cast and um something in the ending which we can talk about when we get there i there's like nothing that's standing out to me yeah there really wasn't much much that was that memorable like mm-hmm. he was good he was a very good screw he was very good food, yeah and pretty much everybody was good but it Acting was, was good yeah overall everything just went so fast it was like they just went scene by scene by scene gotta get to the next scene gotta hit the hit all the notes that everybody knows and keep it moving <laughs> but it was under an hour so correct yeah it was a bbc uh tv thing yeah so um you had to fit everything in an hour like you said mm-hmm. so which they did and uh, again like if we had to grade this on just how 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 many of the plot would you hit it it, it would pass it, it hits all everything that you need hit <laughs> yeah but it didn't let you linger with anything to get any emotional weight of anything. Yeah. I guess I, it's more like a, it feels more like a play that I'm watching, but like an hour play. <laughs> I was thinking of it more as 
how things used to be like i've seen a bunch of silent film versions of different things Mm -hmm. and i was thinking of it in terms of like a silent film because a lot of times like those were very short like there's some silent versions of a christmas carol that sarah and i reviewed years ago now Mm -hmm. but it was almost like a clip show like somebody read the book and wanted to do all the most famous scenes Mm -hmm. and then that was it and that's kind of what this felt like except there was a lot more meat on the bones than yeah. in a silent film, but it was still very bare bones compared to what we expect nowadays with some of the more lavishly produced productions. So, yeah, I agree. I can see why this one is not like, I don't know. Well, I don't know if this is like popular in the UK, but I can see why this is not really a more well-known version overall. Mm-hmm. Well, like, it kind of reminded me of some other more obscure Alice in Wonderlands from around the same time. Okay. Because, like, especially the first scene, because you have the, the beginning scene with the narrator and the dead body of Marley. Okay, yeah. I forgot there was a narrator. <laughs> well, I didn't even realize I forgot the narrator, too, until I was looking through IMDb, and it said, uncredited, Brian Blessed as the narrator. I think I did see that when I was looking this up. I don't know. Have you found anything to corroborate that? That was just what was on IMDb. And yeah. There's not a whole mm-hmm. lot of information about this movie elsewhere. Yeah, even Wikipedia, I don't think had anything. It feels like it's an episode of like like a like a show that would do like famous stories and put out like hour episodes of each one. Yeah, and I feel that's what this felt like to me. Like I was saying, it reminded me of some versions of Alice in Wonderland. I'm wondering if it was like the same team, because especially the first scene after the corpse scene, Mm -hmm. it's the most obvious matte painting with people superimposed over top of it. And there's a few scenes like that, but that really stuck out to me. There's the 1973 version of Alice through the Looking Glass that pretty much every single scene seems to be filmed like that this this is better than that one in terms of making it look more realistic because in, in this one it's only a few scenes where it's like someone badly superimposed over a matte painting in that through the looking glass like every scene was someone superimposed over a matte painting it was just like slightly moving it was just not done very well but it was like probably early days when they're just figuring that stuff out so you can't fault them too much i suppose but that's what this reminded me of. I can see that, yeah. And it, that one, I believe, was also from the BBC. So it's probably the same team. That would make sense. But yeah, other than Michael Hordern and apparently Brian Blessed as the narrator. Apparently, the, yes. <laughs> the only other actor that I recognized was Zoe Wanamaker as Belle. And I know her only because of her iconic role in Doctor Who as the last pure human, Cassandra who's basically plastic surgeryed herself into a flap of skin. <laughs> Interesting. I think I remember you telling me about that. I, yeah. I didn't recognize her when I saw her, but like afterwards when I uh, looked up at the cast list, I was like, oh, that is Zoe Wanamaker, because I've never seen her young before, like, or, or yeah. like however old she was, old she was at this time. I, I know her best from, I watched Ag- Agatha, Christie, Agatha Christie's Poirot, and she plays the character of, mrs ariadne oliver in some of the episodes so that's what i know her best as yeah i don't think i've seen her in anything else but i'm extremely familiar with the name because i really like those two the two episodes that she's in Mm. she's she's an evil character but she's so hilariously iconic to me 
Michael Hordren, this is the this is the most serious I've seen him. Like like everything I've seen him in before is like comedic. Like we mm. watched um when we had our podcast about the Slipper and the Rose, like, you know, his character in that is a he's a very funny king. <laughs> yeah. But like this was a this is a straight serious um, performance, which kinda made me realize just how, how good of an actor Michael Hordren actually is. Yeah, he was very good in this. Mm-hmm. I feel like it would have been nice if this could have been a bigger production. Yeah. Because I feel like he could be an iconic Scrooge if he'd had more to do mm-hmm. and better production value put into it. I should also mention he had already played Jacob Marley in two other versions of the story. So he's a Christmas Carol ex- expert by now. <laughs> <laughs> have we done the other two yet or not? Scrooge and the animated one? No, I, oh. I, never, I didn't do it with you. Okay. Have you done them? <laughs> yes. Okay. If it's the two I'm thinking of, I did. It's the Alistair Sim one. And yes, the, I did that re- one with Rachel back before I was even doing the podcast, but I've okay. since put it into a compilation video of different ones that we had done okay. separately because we were doing like short videos back then when I was just doing YouTube. So I've I've put that review into a compilation of some shorter Christmas Carol reviews a year or two ago. Mm-hmm. And then the animated one I did with Eli okay. probably the first year that I started doing the podcast. Okay. So the the first group I think is 1951 or something like that. Then the animated re- animated remake short whatever you want to call it is like 1971, so like 20 years later. And yeah. this version is like 73 or something like that. I think it was 77. Oh, 77. Okay. Yeah. Sometime in the 70s. Yeah. But there were a few scenes in this that I thought it was interesting that they actually included because there are some scenes that I feel are kind of iconic, but mm-hmm. not every version does them. Starting out with the Marley was dead to begin with scene, not every version has the shot yeah. of the corpse. Mm-hmm. This one didn't have coins on the eyes, which some <laughs> will include that, but they still have the corpse, so that was something. Yeah, like I can't think of anyone else doing that besides the Jim Carrey one. That's and the I, one that comes to mind first for yeah. coins on the eyes. And I think the Albert Finney one, I think that begins like that. I can't remember. Can't remember. But yeah, if it does, if it if it does, those are the only two that I can think of off the top of my head. Mm-hmm. But the first scenes hit all the notes you expect you have mm-hmm. nephew fred visiting and i like nephew fred and but the way that they were talking to each other like between the two demeanors i don't know why i've never thought of it before but like why is fred so persistent <laughs> like if i were this particular fred this scrooge seems extra mean to him for some mm-hmm. reason i'm like i would have given up on him years ago yeah, yeah. This, this Michael Hodgson plays Scrooge. I don't want to say nastier, but it's not nastier, but it's definitely more like you know, leave me alone and bah humbug to you. Yes, than, very than, much than some of the other Scrooges. Mm-hmm. You also going off him being kind of nastier. You have the scene with the charity guy mm-hmm. and the line that decreased the surplus population. Yeah. He seems very pleased with that line. He's like kind of laughing to himself after the guy's gone. Yeah, it's like a good population. I thought of that myself. <laughs> and this one also screams at a child caroler. Not every version will do that, but some. Oh will. yeah, yeah, yeah. It reminded me of I think of Michael Caine and the bunny <laughs> in, in the Muppet one. <laughs> I was thinking of another silent version where he like bashes oh, yeah. the little kid over the head with a giant book. <laughs> 
that one was probably the meanest screw. Nice. <laughs> so when when the charity people came in this scene, it, it brought to mind a question I've always had, but I don't know if I ever talked I mentioned it on any of our episodes. But the two guys from the charities, they're familiar with Jacob Marley already, and they're familiar with like, you know, every Christmas he donates a whole a lot of money. But then Scrooge is like, you know, Marley's been dead for eight years. So I, that always confused me. Like, so did they just stop coming after eight years and then finally decided to come back again? And they remembered, oh, Marley gave us money eight years ago. Because it seems like they come every year and they're always used to Jacob Marley giving them money. So wouldn't they already have known he had died? I don't know that I thought of them as people familiar with Jacob Marley because it seemed like they didn't know him because they didn't know he was dead. Ah, uh, okay. That could be it. But that was always the question I always had with any version of Christmas Carol. I guess I don't... This would be one of those situations where it would be nice to have a copy of the book, which I still have not bought myself one. I need to. Oh, yeah. I would think you would have it. I'm trying to collect, like, high-quality versions of all okay, the classic okay. yeah. ones. And, like, I'm looking for the perfect one, and I can't yeah. find the perfect one. I see. I feel you. That for a little bit, I was buying some just because I wanted them. And they're not the greatest copies, so now I'm like slowly replacing them with nice Barnes and Noble illustrated hardcover, hardcovers, gold yeah. leaf versions. Nice. Those are good to have, especially you have a good bookshelf. Yeah, so I don't have a Christmas Carol yet. One day we'll get you there. <laughs> I check the wiki page, and it doesn't say anything about them knowing Marley. So I don't know. Mm-hmm. I thought it was kind of interesting that for as long or as quickly as they try and go through a whole bunch of scenes, the scene before Marley actually makes his appearance actually took a while. Like, I felt like it was taking longer than it needed to. Like, they really drew out him going home, being alone, Marley sort of being there and him hearing and sensing something, but not knowing what it is. They they drew that out. Meanwhile, uh, everything else, they really clipped through Mm -hmm. at a brisk pace. I didn't. Uh, I don't remember that. So I guess it just didn't resonate with me as much. They also have other ghosts in this scene as well, which you don't always get. Although they did them differently here, because I think I think in the book you have him seeing ghosts flying outside the window. Yeah, I but in so. this one, it's like tortured souls reaching up from somewhere. Oh, uh, okay. It, when they weren't flying, he just sees reaching hands. Yeah, like, I, I totally don't remember this. <laughs> it's just sad. One thing I will say, though, is the, so the actor who plays Marley, John LeMessurier, he's probably the actor in this movie that I've, I like the most and I've seen the most in, in, in terms of, like, multiple different films and TV shows. It would be him. And he's an actor I have a very high respect for because he, is, he was known for not having any like errors or anything like he wouldn't care if you put his name in the star and credits like the listed first or second or whatever he looked at acting as you know just doing a job and Mm -hmm. everyone who ever saw him or met him they said he was only a a gentleman and all that so like so he's an actor i have a lot of respect for so i like seeing him in things and i think he was a very good marley i feel of all the christmas carol characters he could have played i think marley was the one (laughs) That he put, he would have played best. Actually, surprised he hasn't been in any other Christmas Carol adaptations, to my knowledge. Well, after Marley, you get the Ghost of Christmas Past. Who I think they're going for how the book is describing this ghost, except 
she looks like a beautiful woman. She's yeah. not she's not, not candle like, <laughs> but they still have like a candle stopper that they put her out with. Which is so funny when Scooch does that to her at the end. <laughs> and then when she takes him to the past, it's like a clip show of matte paintings. Mm-hmm. Like actual paintings. Like it's obviously illustrated for a while until it changes into actual footage of his childhood. And we meet Fan, I think, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, there's the a very time. there's a very brief scene of him as a little kid. Yeah. At which point he regrets throwing out the Christmas caroler earlier because he thinks that he he remembers that no one wanted him around and it was a terrible thing to feel Mm. and then we flash forward and see fan briefly she gets Mm -hmm. like one scene Mm -hmm. and then fezziwig's party i thought they kept fan enough to um show like the relationship and the love between them i feel some versions just either get rid of fan totally or they kind of like go over it very, they go very too quickly. quickly yeah like like here it was quick like you said but i think it was enough to get the idea yeah. of how close they were most of the scenes like i say quick most of the scenes are enough to give you the feeling that you need to feel correct yeah but it's not it's not as much as you would expect in a longer version definitely and to that point i was expecting something with bell at fezziwig's party but you don't really get much of anything of oh, them yes. establishing a relationship mm-hmm. you just get their breakup scene correct you just have to like take the word for it that yeah they've been in a relationship and it, it is a good scene like you can tell that they're they're doing <laughs> a really good job with it but i feel like it lacks any weight because we never got to see them as a couple it reminds me a lot of has not really related but it reminds me of i mean you've seen black panther right yeah it reminds me of near the beginning where the villain's girlfriend gets killed. And like, we were never told what her name was. We've never seen her before. Um, like, Forgot just about the girlfriend. <laughs> exactly. And we're like, and it's like, we're supposed to feel sorry and sad about it. It's like, oh, uh, no, what's her name is death. <laughs> so that, that's kind of how I felt about this. Like you said, like, oh, oh there's, there's a girl named Belle. Okay, great. Yeah. You just don't get enough to feel much of anything. They do they do a good job with the scene. So you you feel yeah. something. You just don't feel invested in wishing that they weren't breaking up. All the performances and deliveries are great. Like yeah. They they do what they have to do. But yeah, yeah, there's there's not enough time there. And 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 we just mentioned Belle is the one played by Zoe Wanamaker. Yes. Yeah. But that isn't her only scene though, because you also get a scene of her later on having married and this is another scene that you don't always get i was just about to ask you if that's in the book or not i'm not 100 percent sure if it's in the book but there have been scenes like this in other versions so i'm going to assume that it's in the book Mm -hmm. but it's basically her with her eventual husband talking about him having seen scrooge Mm -hmm. like through the window like they didn't actually talk but it's always a bittersweet thing Mm mm-hmm and if you and I ever get to view, reviewing that uh, that animated Christmas Carol the movie uh, film, they go even further with that. So we have more to talk about there. I keep forgetting about that. Is that the one with the mice? Maybe I can't remember the mice. <laughs> there's one, there's one with mice that I keep forgetting about that I keep wanting to do. Might have been that. It has Nicolas Cage as a voice and like Kate Winslet. I think it might be. 
you're making me wish I had more time because I think <laughs> I don't know that I have time this year, but I keep forgetting about that one. I want to do that one. Yeah, I, I wasn't a fan, but yeah, it will be interesting to talk about. Um, I don't know if I should spoil it now, but uh, since we're talking about it, but it's I'll probably, like, if we don't do it this year, I'll probably forget by the time we get there. Anyway, yeah. So what happens in that version? Bell actually reunites with Scrooge at the end of the movie, and they actually oh. become a couple again. Okay. I forget if her husband dies or something, but like whatever happened there, Scrooge and her actually meet up again at the end of that movie. Hmm. Yeah, that that's the only version I've seen that. that. If that's the one I'm thinking of, they were probably going for a more Disney-esque romantic happy ending. Yeah, yeah, I, I could see that, yeah. We should get to that one eventually. I do want to do that <laughs> one. I've been wanting to do that one for years, but I keep forgetting about it. Stay tuned, listeners. We'll get to it one day. <laughs> But yeah, when they have this scene with Belle and her husband, Scrooge kind of freaks out, and this is when he puts the ghost out with the candle stopper. Which is, taken out of context, is a very funny, funny scene. <laughs> scene. But Michael Horton plays it so straight, so you know, yeah. serious. So. Yeah. But then right after that, he wakes up to the ghost of Christmas present. And this is another one where it felt like they just spent no time at all because there's like not much made of the room with the feast. Yeah, they just basically go straight to the Cratchits. Do you remember who plays the Ghost of Christmas Present? I forget. I forget his name, but when I looked him up, it said that he had played the character M in the James Bond movies. Oh, okay, yeah. I haven't seen any James Bond movies, so that means nothing to me. But yeah, he's probably one of the most famous people in this version. Uh, Yeah, just not to me. Same with me. I've only seen one and a half James Bond movies in my life, and none, I don't think, were with him. So I just remember that he was famous for something. Yeah, that's what he was famous for. I'm pretty sure I have not seen a James Bond film. I might have seen clips, but it's never really interested me that much. Same, it's not my... uh, I'm good without it. (laughs) But we do get a decent amount of time spent with the Cratchits. We probably get the most... uh, That scene is probably the most time spent of all the individual scenes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you get a lot of the iconic lines from the book, especially with Mrs. Cratchit upset about Scrooge giving him a piece of her mind to feast upon. (laughs) (laughs) And I felt they had a lot more kids than usual, or maybe that was just me. It depends on the version. Some versions have just a couple kids. Other versions have tons of kids. Like the girl, I remember she had had a lot more lines than I think some versions do. The one that was hiding? There's one girl who's talking a lot. Not a lot, but I mean, like she had, I know like she has substantial lines. Okay. Well, depending on the version and how much they want to take from the book, there is one girl who has a bit of a bigger role yeah. than the other mm-hmm. kids. Okay, could be that. And no offense to the actor playing Tiny Tim, but it it's kind of clear that this probably was his first movie, or he's not really an actor. He only had two credits. Yeah, okay. This and something else later on. And yeah, so no, he wasn't really an actor. He's probably one of the crew members or castmates' sons or nephews or something. It wouldn't surprise me. Yeah. He did fine, but yeah, yeah. He, he wasn't like a professional actor. He looked more like I was watching someone's home video, of like a kid's <laughs> home video, and he was just shy in it. That, that's what I got from it. I could see that, yeah. Again, no no fault of the kid. Yeah. He was like probably like 60 years old now. But. <laughs> probably. Trying to math it out, but yeah, the maybe fifty. 
like I, I he, I think he says his God's God blesses everyone line once in the movie, but it's like it's not like even a like a standout line. He just kind of like mumbles it through a regular piece of dialogue, if I'm not mistaken. Like yeah. like you could you could miss it. The, the I mean we'll get there, but that scene almost was the throwaway scene. Oh, okay, okay, I know what you mean. Yeah, we have the scene with the Cratchit and then the Ghost of Christmas Present quoting his decrease the surplus population line back at him. Of course. And then they go off to Fred's and you hear him telling his friends about Scrooge. And he seems to think that Scrooge is funny. Like he, I'd, he I don't like know how much he takes into consideration that Scrooge means what he says. Like he says he feels sorry for him, but he's also laughing at all his terrible lines, like his actual nastiness. So I'm wondering if he thinks that Scrooge is just joking, but has a very mean sense of humor. I don't know. Or just like a lovable old grouch kind of character. Maybe. Yeah. Archie Bunker kind of thing. (laughs) Yeah. He's just, he seems to think that Scrooge is funny, but he does feel sorry for him. Mm. And then the group plays the game characters. Which is it always seems to be like a different game that they play. I, I, was, just, I, was, just about to say, I was about to say that, like literally every version has that that has this scene has a different game. Yeah, there's similes. There's the the, the some the somebody's cat. Um, there's <laughs> yeah. there's like a bunch. Then there's my favorite, you know, Santa Suity Suit from the best <laughs> version ever. <laughs> I had almost forgotten about that. <laughs> I won't let you forget. <laughs> So yeah, I guess every yeah. writer just has to come up with some something new to fill that scene with. Yeah, this one was characters, and the person trying to make everybody guess said it was something savage. Of course, the answer is Scrooge. Yeah, and then we get ignorance and want, which we don't get in every version. I was they're, trying to remember if they showed up or not. Yeah, they they're not hiding under presents robes, mm-hmm. but they're there. And then present leaves. By shrinking away into the background, it was very strange. And it's a weird effect. And then the ghost of Christmas yet to come appears, but he's like, like you do eventually get to them walking together. But like in this scene, he's like a ghostly figure in the background, and Scrooge mm-hmm. isn't even facing him when he's talking to him. It was a weird way to set up the shot. Mm-hmm. And then you get all the iconic scenes from the future the people discussing his death talking about not going to the funeral unless there's a lunch provided (laughs) and you get the scene with mrs dilber but Mm -hmm. this one they've changed it up so it's like somebody's robbing his house Mm -hmm. instead of her taking stuff to try and sell she's confronting somebody who's robbing his house but she's already taken what she wanted and like they're fighting over the stuff i think she was playing with june brown if i'm mistaken yeah I haven't really seen her uh, mud in many things, but no, I I didn't really know who she was either. And like after I watched this, I was scrolling. I think it was like probably it was probably like YouTube Shorts or something. Yeah. And there was like a talk show of her with Lady Gaga. Like she's very very old at this point, and I didn't think anything of it until I looked down. And I saw the name. I was like, was that? The person who played Mrs. Dilber, whose IMDb page I was just on a half hour ago. Wow. <laughs> it was a very weird coincidence. <laughs> very serendipitous there. That's probably Graham Norton's show. I think so. He, he's he was the one UK, that, somebody he, from the UK. 
Yeah, he brings like a lot of the UK and US people together. Yeah, they all talk on one couch. Correct. It's like four of them at a, at a time or something. Yeah. It's, I've yeah. never watched the show. I see clips sometimes on YouTube shorts. It's an interesting way to do a talk show of all the people talking at once instead of one at a time. But yeah, with this scene, Scrooge doesn't want to stay watching Mrs. Dilber fight somebody for his stuff. So he asks the spirit to take him to anyone who feels emotion at his death, which I thought was funny because this is kind of like one of those evil genie monkey paw wishes because (laughs) they go and they see a family who is happy that he's dead because their deaths are, at least for now, their deaths are gone. They're still afraid somebody's going to take over the deaths, but they're happy he's dead anyway. Except without, without thank you very much. Yeah. <laughs> and Scrooge says to the ghost, I meant sorrow, not pleasure. <laughs> Sad emotion. So they go off to the Cratchits, and I would say this is probably the emotion, the most emotional part of the movie. Oh, yeah, yeah. Definitely. With Bob coming home and talking about picking out Tiny Tim's grave, and that he met Fred, and he doesn't know that Fred knew about Tiny Tim dying, but he said that Fred told him to let him know if there was anything he could do. This was one of the more sadder versions of of this scene, I think. Yeah, probably one of the most emotional. I'm not even sure why exactly, but uh, yeah, the, I don't know. There was something about the way they shot it, the way they acted. I don't know. Yeah, it's just you could, you really felt like their kid had died. Yeah, I don't know if it's maybe because like I'm getting you know the same vibes of like a play, so it's like more intimate because I'm like right there in the room with them i don't know if that's probably it rather than like you what i'd get from like a cinematic portrayal i don't know but but whatever it was there was something in this version that was that really hit hard yeah even the concern from like one of the sisters i remember like Mm -hmm. like, everything does work well yeah version and then of course we go off to the graveyard where he sees his own grave and he begins pleading with the spirit and then wakes up in his bed. That all happens really quick. Like some versions will yeah, spend yeah. a long time and make it really dramatic and or terrifying. But this is just really quick. Literally. But an interesting thing that they did here, though, is after he wakes up, he sees remnants of the ghosts. I was going to mention before. I was going to mention that, but I forgot about it. Thanks. <laughs> Like, I don't think I've seen that in any other version. I don't think I have either, but he sees, like, the leaf crown from Christmas present and just random things around the house, and then they disappear as he finds them. Footprint of one of the others, yeah. Yeah, it was Mm -hmm. interesting. Because it proves to him that this wasn't a dream. But yeah, I've never seen that in any other version that I can remember. One of those things where I'd be interested to see if it's in the book. Because once in a while you'll get scenes from uh, of all the different things that I've done every version ever of that you won't think that it's in the book because no version ever does it but then you get one random version that does something from the book really spot on and it's like oh that was actually in the book weird that reminds me the one that stands out to me most when you say that is the patrick stewart one when they have the scene where like the brief scene where they go to the ship in the sea Mm. and see like yeah that's the sailors on there which is that's in the book, but that's the only version I've seen that in. It's in that one animated Alistair Sim one. Okay, I can't remember. But yeah, that's another scene that hardly any version ever does. Mm-hmm. There are books that they just have. I don't know if it's just because they're harder to capture on film in terms of like 
story-wise or like they just don't move the plot along as much so they just cut them out probably that and it's probably a case of they need a whole ship for just a very brief scene yeah it's like that would blow the production budget way up for yeah not much of anything it reminds me of the wind in the willows like in the book there's one chapter where rat and i forget two of the other characters might be mole i think they meet like the god pan and yeah, and I, was to, just, yeah. I knew you were gonna say that exactly and they have to find his son or something and that's it like it has nothing to do with anything that comes after that the, uh-huh. and after that it has nothing to do with anything that comes before that so i i don't think i've seen any version that has that in it any film or tv version that has that because it's just like so out of nowhere yeah though the one that i grew up with has pan in it but i don't know that it's anything oh, more wow. than him just very briefly in one scene which one is it it was from the 90s i don't remember the exact year live action it's or animated animated mm. i'll figure it out because it was the one I was telling Sarah that I wanted to watch with her and she's like, she, she loves the book, The Wind of the Willows. And she's like very hemming and hawing over whether she would want to watch an animated version. And I told her that the one that I watched when I was a kid had pan in it. She's like, Oh, wow. There are, maybe it is faithful. <laughs> oh, is it this one from 1995? It's a British. That sounds like it might have been the year. Yes, 95. Alan Bennett, Michael Palin, Michael Gambon, and Rick Mayall. Interesting. Never heard of this version. That was the one I grew up with. We had it on VHS. I watched it so many times. Oh, wow. And they have Pan in this one? Yes. Very interesting. <laughs> I, do, I don't remember much about the scene, but I do remember that Pan is in it. Okay, because on the Wikipedia page, they don't have him as a, as a, char- as a character that someone's voice, so maybe he just doesn't have a speaking role. I don't remember him saying anything. I just remember mm. him like being in the woods or being something. Nice. But yeah, that, that's what I thought came to mind when we were talking about scenes that people don't put yeah. in their adaptations. I'm, I'm hoping to get to this one next year because I've been wanting to do Wind in the Willows for ages. And this is one I've been wanting to revisit from childhood. Oh, your version. Yeah. Well, I want to watch a bunch of versions, but this one specifically is the one I want to start with. We have like two in our planned sometimes yeah intended yeah. we will probably i would i would like this to be one of the first ones the first stories i do next year because i've been wanting to do wind of the wills for ages but yeah sorry tangent. yeah yeah after the strange scene with the ghost remnants you get the actual iconic scene with the boy in the turkey mary is a schoolboy. boy is drunken man this all happens so quickly. He yeah. tells him to go get the turkey and send it to Bob so he doesn't know who sent it. And then he goes off to Fred's for dinner. It's a very brief scene. And then you go straight to the next day. Like you spend hardly any time yeah. at Christmas. And then you get the scene back at work, which most versions these days like combine Christmas with the scene than at the day after Christmas. But yeah. this one is more true to the book in that it's the day after Christmas and he first tricks Bob into thinking that he's furious with him. Yeah. And then he gives him a raise. And then <laughs> I thought it was funny that like he tells him to go get more coal and build up a big fire. And Bob just looks kind of terrified. <laughs> it's like, who are, are you? you? <laughs> what have you done with Scrooge? <laughs> and then at the very end, yeah, this is the weird part. You get the scene with God bless us everyone. It's like, did they 
cut out a scene from Christmas and then put it the day after the Christmas. End. Yeah, and it just ends there because that's yeah. where the credits roll. Yeah, it's just, it was strange. Scrooge doesn't stop at their house and meet no. anyone. No, it just cuts to to the family eating turkey at uh, at their table. And he said, "God, God blesses everyone," and it ends. <laughs> yeah, it was which is strange. It was weird. It's probably the weirdest ending I've seen. In a yeah. I mean, it's not weird and like super bizarre, but weird and like how they chose to shoot and edit it. Yeah, it's an odd choice. Yeah. I guess overall, I enjoyed this one for what it was, but it's not one that I'll probably want to revisit. Yeah. It was a nice, quick version, but there are much better ones out there. Yeah. What, what, I think it's main, what holds it back mostly is it the runtime. It's uh, yeah. less than an hour. Yeah. So they have to really pick and choose what they're going to show and what they're not. If this was an hour and a half, I could see maybe this could have been a little bit more fleshed out. Yes, definitely. Give more scenes to Fan and Bell, mm-hmm. especially. It would really help with the emotion in the middle of this. But yeah, everything just went too quickly for it to be super memorable. And again, you're not going to have any problem with any of the acting. Acting's really good. And mm-hmm. all the plot points are hit precisely as you'd expect but it's a it's a very cliff notes yes version that's a good way to put it cliff notes cliff notes of cliff notes was an hour long instead of half an hour <laughs> yeah they hit all the notes you need to hit but mm-hmm. they don't hit notes in between the notes to make them really stand out this felt like if someone wrote a book group like a like a elementary school student wrote a book report on christmas carol and they made a film adaptation of the book report yeah that's, that's, that's probably that the, sounds about right yeah that's probably <laughs> the best way i could describe it yeah yeah okay well i guess that's probably all we have to say about this one god bless us everyone <laughs> you want to let people know where they can find you if they want more from you uh, yeah, um, you can check me out on my blogs, um, Animation Accommodation at animationcommodation.com. I do animated film reviews, top 13 lists, and I have a Once a Baby Linear Animation Edition theme game show where, you know, Jonathan's been on a few times and many other people have played it before. And I have a My Live Action Disney Project at myliveactiondisneyproject.com where I'm trying to watch and review every single theatrically released and now Disney Plus released live action Disney film ever made. So check me out there. Thanks. Okay. Well, I'm sure we will be back next year to talk about more versions of other things. Hopefully by then we'll get to the Christmas Carol movie. <laughs> yes, we definitely need to get to that one. I need to like make a note so we get to that next year. Well, I can tell you, I'm pretty sure that version does not have fans desperately waiting. But if there are, just <laughs> we'll get to it eventually. Okay, well, until then. See ya. Thanks for listening to Every Version Ever. If you like what you've heard, make sure to subscribe on your preferred podcast platform or to our YouTube channel. Make sure to follow my co-hosts as well, and if you want more content from us, check out one of the other podcasts in the iHeartMovies podcast network, or check out my brand new Patreon. My link tree, as well as any other relevant links, will be in the description. We'll be back soon with another brand new episode, so thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.